LBC Podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. My name is Chris Moore, the Children's Ministry Director at LBC, and with me today is Josh White. Hey, proud to be here. He's our Adult Ministries Director and our Lead Pastor, Eric Burns. Hi. You guys, I'm really glad you're here to join me today. Yeah. Um, today, what we wanted to do is just spend a little bit more time talking about lie number three in our current sermon series, which is talking about our performance determining our worth and the lie that that is. Um, so I'm excited that we're here to talk about that a little bit more. Um, this lie hits close to home as one that I have personally needed to assess in my life, and it's pushed me to better understand my identity in Christ. Um, so I'm really glad we're going to be talking about this a little bit more, and I think it'll be good, good for the church family to, to hear more about it too. Yeah, great. We're super excited to be here. So let's go ahead and move kind of the first question. I think where we have to start in, you know, digging a little bit deeper, you know, into this lie is, you know, what is, Eric, what is, you know, the root of the lie that my worth is determined by my performance? Yeah, it's a it's a great question to start with because you can get lost uh, in all the second, third, and fourth layers of this. Uh, but I really believe the root of it is that everyone wants to have a sense of worth, a sense of, hey, I matter. And the easiest, most natural way to do that is to create an equation that proves your worth, right? And what's fascinating is it happens to everyone regardless of how you grow up. So let's say you have two loving parents who love their kid. And you would say, okay, that kid should have a really good chance that they know their matter. They know they matter because they know they're loved. But inevitably what will happen is that kid will say like, you guys are supposed to love me. Like, that's not really a big deal. You have to love me. You're my parents. Like, why doesn't that group love me? And then all of a sudden a, a child will begin to form what they do after the group they see because they've equated that if I'm a part of that group, then I matter, right? Uh, and so that's why they change the way they dress. They uh, maybe change the way they talk. They change their interests. And they're constantly trying to perform to fit into that group so they can put to ease the question in their mind, hey, I matter, right? Then you have the ex another kid who has two uninvolved parents who doesn't have any type of stable relationship with either one of them, uh, grows up in a broken home, let's say, and it's the same result, just it gets to it a little bit different. Instead, it says, man, if the two people who aren't supposed to love me can't love me, then like I must not be lovable. And so I got to go find somebody to love me, right? And so what do I got to do to get those people to love me or these people to love me? Or how do I get my parents to love me, right? And you see kids like, look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm doing. And it's like, do I matter now? Do I have worth now? And, and so I think the simple root is you want to know you matter. You want to know you have worth. And the easiest thing to do is to put it in some type of equation that's performance-based. Mm -hmm. What do I need to do? Yeah, what do I need to do? Earn worth. Yes. And that just kind of just to go off what you were saying, it really is deeply rooted in our early childhood, Yeah, I think. It's not just something that we struggle with as adults. Yeah, and then it moves into adulthood, too, where it's like, I need to make this much money, right? I need to go on these vacations. My kids need to do these things. 
Um, my wife needs to look like this. My husband needs to look like this. We need to be invited to these places. Uh, you know what I mean? And you're, you're trying to either show your parents, show yourself, show your spouse, show a group of people, look at the pieces I have, like I matter, right? And you work so hard and that's why people's life falls apart when one of those pieces is taken away. A job, um, access to money, um, physical ability, you know, whatever it is that gets taken away. And it's like, who am I? You know what I mean? Your kids leave and you're left with that question. Like, why do I matter now? Yeah. Yeah. So just thinking about kids in early childhood and, you know, parents may struggle to, to try to teach their kid. We don't want to base their worth on their performance or some parents may inadvertently cause their kids to seek out performance like you'd mentioned earlier so what, what would you say to the parent who's trying to stop their kid from believing the lie that their performance determines their worth well one of the ways i see parents try to address this is by putting them in a bubble and i would say that's not the route i think that'll help them because i've seen homeschooled kids i've seen public school kids private school kids uh all struggle with this problem um, it's what I would call an innate problem. It's it's within inside of us all to ask that question. And it's not so much about uh, putting them in a bubble, not putting them in a bubble, because that's kind of like creating a different performance, right, for them to attach their identity to. And so the, the most important thing is that your kid realizes their worth is determined by Jesus, right? And Jesus is infinite, meaning he's always existed. He's all-powerful. He's sovereign. And the reason you, you want to use those words is because you're communicating to the child, nobody trumps Jesus, right? Nobody's opinion, even your own opinion, is greater than Jesus. And so that's where you kind of have to center uh, the conversation with a kid and kind of show them, like, um, how you look is amazing, but what's more amazing is who you are, because that's who God created, right? Your heart is amazing. And that's a heart that's after Jesus. That's a heart he created. And that's why you matter. And no one can take that from you. No matter if you don't get into that group, that group, if mommy and daddy maybe get mad at you and say you're not smart or, you know, say something really mean, nothing changes. You matter because nobody trumps Jesus, right? You have to kind of model that so they can go out into the world, receive that rejection, and not be altered by it. Not say, oh man, this hurt. I'm never getting rejected again. I'm going to matter. I'm going to show. You know what I mean? So it's kind of rooting in them this unwavering belief that Jesus is where I find my worth. You know, as a Christian, that's my identity. That's, you know, I'm saved by grace. He loves me. I don't deserve it. I don't have to earn it. You know, and, and that's even the other side of parenting is making sure the kid knows they don't have to perform for God either, right? He knows who they are. He knows the sin they're going to do before they do it. And he still loves them. And he still sent Jesus to die and pay for their sin. Mm. And he loves them. And what they do is a response to him, not earning from him, you know, and kind of just building into them, nobody matters more than Jesus. Nobody's opinion weighs more than Jesus. Right. Yeah. So kind of going from that, you answered this kind of a little bit, but, you know, I guess on a practical level, 
what are some some steps or you know some good ways that that parents need to take to really teach that that truth to their kids yeah and so there's a phrase uh i forgot where i read it it's not my own but it it stuck with me and is that um kids will practice what you praise and so if you praise and uh work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, which isn't a bad thing. You will get a kid with a great work ethic, but thinks without that ethic, they're nothing, mm. right? And so they attach the ethic to the work, worth, right? That I work hard, then I'm a good person, like I matter. And so if they get a knee injury, right? They, someone dies and they go through a uh, season of sadness, let's say. And they're unable to work at that ethic. All of a sudden, they feel like they don't matter because they're not doing the thing that gives them the worth, right? And so you want to instill principles and values in your kid, but you have to be very careful that what you're showing them is my greatest joy is that I am a child of God. That's where I find my worth. And you need to communicate that to them. Like son, daughter, work is amazing but nothing is better than Jesus. That's why I live. That's why I'm excited. Um, when you get rejected, when, um, cause kids hear these things, when they hear gossip about you or they hear, um, people talk ill of you and you say, you know, that hurts my feelings, but they don't determine my worth. Yeah. Jesus does. And I know no matter what anyone says, I matter because Jesus loves me. And it's showing them how you put it into practice and how it, affects you at work, how it affects you in marriage, how it affects you as a parent, and basically showing them, yeah, I I get rejected. And and yeah, I want to be a part of that group. And yeah, I wish we could do those things that other people do. But um, it doesn't change my life. It doesn't make me not matter because I can't participate in those things or because I was rejected by those things. I matter because of Jesus. And I hope that's what you understand. And no one can ever take that from you. So part of it's modeling it. um, But kids don't learn through osmosis, right? You have to explain to them why you feel that way. You have to explain to them why you're not affected by those things. You have to explain to them, uh, yeah, I am hurt, but I am not defined by what my circumstance, right? This is a hard circumstance, but my worth is cemented in Jesus. And that's where I still find hope peace, joy, comfort, and most importantly, worth. Yeah, absolutely. I think just reflecting on, you know, my own life, I'm really grateful because um, God just blessed me with such great parents. I have very godly parents, um, have a great relationship with my parents. And they did that so well, you know, growing Mm -hmm. up that, that it was so clear that, you know, the more, the most important thing for them personally, but also just for our family was, Jesus, you know, what was his word was knowing, was knowing Christ. Um, and that made, made a huge impact on my life. And I think that, you know, as a kid growing up in that, um, I probably didn't believe them, right? but at the very (laughs) least, I believed that that they believed it. Yes. Yes. That's a great distinction. And it's easy to just so subtly teach your kid things you don't mean to teach them. Um, but when you you come at a hard emphasis on grades, 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 you know, or sports, 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 or you're constantly telling them how, 
oh, I need to make my boss happy or, oh my gosh, um, to be a parent's the greatest thing ever. I'm not, I don't know what I'm going to do without you guys. You're kind of like um, not intentionally communicating to them that or unintentionally communicating to them that the greatest thing they could do is whatever you're pushing. Instead of saying, you know, it's great being a parent. It's good to play sports. It's good to be academic, but nothing's more important than Jesus. That's the relationship that defines you, that grounds you, that keeps you, sustains you, uh, that gives you comfort, that points you in the right direction, um, that gives you wisdom and, and, and the ability to know what to do in life. And just putting that above everything else. You don't have to get rid of everything and say school doesn't matter, sports don't matter, work doesn't matter. No, no, it's just elevating Jesus above everything else. And helping your kids see that's where I need to put the energy, right? That's where I see my comfort. And having that conversation often with them. And as they see you do it, uh, I think Josh's illustration was perfect. He didn't really believe it at first, mm-hmm. but he knew they did. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, that says volumes. And it really helps a kid when they're in the process of trying to make that decision. Like, man, my parents really, really believe this. Uh, maybe there's something to this because I've tried my way and it's it's not working. I still feel worthless. I still feel rejected. I still feel like nobody wants me. And my parents don't feel like that. You know what I mean? And so that's a great thing that even if your kids don't attach to it, that at least they'll always have that to see. It's a it's a imprint in their mind that'll never leave. Right. That's a big deal. Making sure as parents, we we believe that. We really understand that. Um, so with that, as far as believing, um, what are some signs that you might be believing the lie that your performance determines your worth? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I do believe it's different for everyone. So you're going to kind of have to go through these series of questions yourself. But the, the greatest way I've found to evaluate is to ask yourself, if this was to get taken away, how would it make me feel? And when you find yourself feeling less important or feeling like you need to replace it with something to feel good about yourself, you've attached your worth to that thing. So um, for guys, it's typically their work. So if you were to lose your job, would you be like, who am I? You know, I'm a mechanic, an engineer, a farmer, a teacher, a police officer, a fireman, whatever that is. If you were to lose it, right, and you had to go work at Costco and you're still putting food on the table, you still have the ability to have a shelter, right? Medical, um, but it was a different thing. Would you feel lost as a person? Would you feel like less of a person? Would you be embarrassed because you don't feel like you have as much honor because you don't have that other job, right? So if it were to be taken away, would you be able to say, you know, I really liked what I did, but like that doesn't change me. I'm still the same person. I'm a Christian, right? I'm someone who is a follower of Jesus. And that hurt my feelings. It's hard, but like, it doesn't change me. You know what I mean? It just changes what I do Monday to Friday. Does that make sense? So that's one example. For some people, it's like losing your spouse. Your spouse is your Jesus. They're why you matter. And oftentimes you'll see some people uh, at a funeral, they fall apart, not because so much they miss them is they don't know who they are. Right? That other person told them and that other person made them. And it's not that the spouse wanted that. It's just that you've put them in that place. 
of a place that they don't deserve and a place that's not really healthy. Because when a person determines your worth with every bit of failure is your failure. Every time they don't acknowledge, they don't see, they don't respond. It's now I don't matter. And so then the answer is now I got to work harder. And you're hoping that your spouse sees your work and you're hoping they acknowledge and you're hoping they reciprocate. And with each time they don't, each time they don't, you fall apart. And that's why so often in um, adultery or an affair is you find someone that values your performance and that worth comes instantly and you can see it and you can touch it and you can feel it. Uh, But the reality is they don't live with you. That rejection is coming and they will let you down just as much as your spouse. And so, yeah, as it might be hard to think about like, what if I lost my spouse? You know, would you be able to look at your kids in the eyes and say like, this is one of the worst things that could have happened, but we're okay. We have Jesus, right? Like we still have purpose. We still have value. We still have meaning. We will forever miss mom or dad, but life doesn't end because they're not here, you know? And so asking yourself that question, if I were to lose my health, you know, some people have an identity in their ability and that's happens with a lot of guys. They get older and they can't run, climb and jump like they used to. They can't fix, they can't see, they can't use their hands and they, they feel worthless. I can't do anything. I'm worthless. And it's like, no, you have incredible worth because of Jesus. Uh, and that doesn't mean God can't use you to do other things with your mouth and your brain. And guys aren't comfortable functioning in that matter. But it's like, no, no, God still has more for you. It just looks different. You know, um, your worth isn't in your ability. And, and that's so walking yourself through that. You know, a lot of moms, they become empty nesters. And it's like, who am I? I'm a mom. My kids aren't here. Who do, who do I take care of? You know, who do I love? Who, who, do I, who do I show off? You know, who do I present to the people to show? You know, there's a lot of different ways that looks, but it's, it's saying, okay, all my kids are gone. That might change what I do, but it doesn't change who I am, right? That Christian part never changes. You know what I mean? And so just kind of asking that question, if I were to lose this, you know, and maybe a more universal question is, how do I handle rejection? If I don't get invited to this, um, if this person doesn't see my performance, if this person doesn't give me praise, if this person says they don't like me, if this person doesn't reciprocate my friendship, my love, um, my gift, whatever it is, does that cause you to want to say, well, then I'll do this to get them to notice me? Or is it like, that hurts, but I'm not going to change who I am. You know, my worth is sealed in Christ. And so it's being able to walk that tension of I'm hurt, but that doesn't change me, you know? And so just asking that question, what would happen if this got taken away? Right. Right. And that resonates well. It was a a knee injury my sophomore year in high school. Sports were like the way I escaped and we didn't grow up going to church and tear my ACL my sophomore mm. year. And it, I literally, it was like depression after that. Who am yeah. I? Cause I was sports or the way I express myself. And, and that was what God used like two years later to. Yeah. You were Pele to, more. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm about that. But. And you're like, I'm not Pele anymore. Who <laughs> I am can't I? do this. But yeah, that was hard. Yeah. I uh, can relate with that too. I grew up, you know, skateboarding. That was kind of, that was like my thing in junior high and high school. And like I skateboarded every single day, you know, and that had a huge impact on, you know, 
my really I would say my emotional health, mm. you know, in, in the way that if if I, you know, had a bad day skateboarding, like it was like a terrible day. Like it mm. felt like the world was falling apart because in a lot of ways it felt like skateboarding was the only thing that I had, you know. And so God really had to had to help me work through that. You yeah. Know, to realize that it wasn't everything. And that was one thing in my life I really honestly had to give up that I can, I came to a point where it's just like, I can't do this anymore because it's not, it's not healthy and it's affecting me in more negative ways than it is positive. Absolutely. Know? And that's what, you know, sometimes we have to do as God reveals those things in our lives. We have to give up things that we love. Yes. Yep. yep. So I think going from there, you know, a natural question that comes from this conversation is, is performing well or doing your best a bad thing? Yeah, that that's uh, that is a great question, and the answer is no. Um, you always want to do your best. You always want to work your hardest. Uh, but the the key is is what's your driving motivation, right? Are you giving your best and working your hardest because you are seeking attention and worth from that, or is it a response? To the identity you already have in Jesus, right? And that's why you see in the Bible, it's do all for the glory of God, right? And so you're, you're working hard because that's what a Christian does, right? They give their best uh, because as a Christian, you're free to be rejected. It's not about earning an accolade and acknowledgement, becoming a part of a group of people, getting likes on Instagram or Facebook. It's about you standing before your father, your heavenly father, and saying, I did my best, right? And he's like, good job, do your best. You represent me. Christians are the hardest workers. They're the honest workers, right? They're the ones who will tell the truth. They're the ones who will show mercy, uh, compassion, and grace. And it's not because they're looking for, oh, wow, look at Josh. Isn't he amazing? It's because that's what Jesus did, right? Love me, or love others as I have loved you. And so we see how he loves us and we do that. Now, that might come off as a performance to some people. You know, Christians, I think, get accused of that a lot. Oh, you're so fake. Mm. And sometimes we are because we hide behind the mask of Christianity to get people to like us because there are a lot of Christian traits that are attractive, right? It's attractive to be kind and gracious and patient and merciful, and giving, and forgiving, and to take um, other people's needs into your concern and care about them. Those are attractive things. And so that's where it's really hard in this question is you could be doing, um, it was kind of ties back to the sermon on Sunday, is you could be doing right things, but they're not necessarily good things. Yeah. Because um, good things are when your motivation matches your action. And it's a motivation as, I'm a Christian. This is my response to God. That's why I'm being kind, gracious, loving, patient. Um, and it should bring out the best in you, uh, that God gave me his best and his son. I give my best. I'm his child. I reflect him. So that's why I work hard. And long as the motivation is proper, absolutely work your hardest. Do your best. He's worth every ounce of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So with that, some, some practical things, what, what are some practical steps we can take this week to grow in this area? Yeah. So here's, here's some, some hopefully easy ones. Um, 
I think the easiest way to kind of test this out and see is um, maybe identify some people you can do something for um, and not anticipate a response. Uh, it could be your wife. It could be your kid. It could be a coworker. It could be a relative. Um, and do something nice for them and see how you take a lack of response. Um, it's going to be my prayer that they don't respond uh, because I won't, that's what we want to see. Are we doing it for the response? Are we doing it because, man, God loved us and we love them. And it's just the, it's the godly thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. To maybe write them a note of encouragement or take care of a chore for them or buy something they need that's of meaning to them. And there's no, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. Maybe you don't get acknowledged. I mean, that would be my, my prayer is that nobody notices and you're like, you don't care, right? And, and to kind of focus on that. And, and it's natural to want that, you know, reciprocation. Uh, but do you say, hey, that's a lie. I don't, I don't need that, right? It's not why I did that. I did that as a response to the love of Jesus. And kind of just look at the things you're doing for other people. Uh, look why you go to work. Look why you uh, love your kids the way you do, love your spouse the way you do. And start to ask the question, why do I do this? And how do I handle a lack of response? And it's okay if it hurts your feelings, but it's not okay if it changes your worth. And it drives you to this, well, then I'll just perform harder, right? Um, And I think probably the easiest way to do this, uh, if you take Paul serious, is when we take communion, it's a great time. He says, examine yourself, you know, therefore to make sure that you're in the faith. And in an examining should be a time of when you're like, okay, am I coming to church because I secretly expect God to keep me healthy and wealthy or because I expect him to um, make sure nothing bad happens to my kids or, you know what I mean? Is that why I'm here? Am I here because I want to be noticed by a group of people? You know, do I tithe my money with this string attached or am I saying this is God's, this is his, do I you know, love my wife and my kids because I want them to love me back because I want them to remember me. I want them to tell others about me um, because I want to feel good about myself because my parents didn't do that. Or are you saying like, no, this is the godly way to do this, right? Love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's how a Christian husband loves, right? You see the difference? Yep. And so in communion, it's recentering around this is what Jesus did for you on the cross. This is why you do the things you do. And when you don't do those things for that reason of the cross, it's asking for forgiveness because you're saying, hey, you know what, God, I'm doing this for me and I'm doing this for my glory and I need to stop. You know, that's that examining. I need to do this for you because of what you've done. Please forgive me. And then you drink right? The blood, you break the bread, the body, and you remember, this is what Jesus did. That's why I live. Right? Yeah. And it kind of reorients your motivations. So I think those are some, some hopefully practical things you can do. Yeah, absolutely. I think with um, examining your heart, one thing I was thinking through, you know, is really understanding the meditations of your heart, or in other words, the things that, you know, your heart in your mind, the things that are constantly on your heart and your mind, what you're reflecting on, you know, 
And one of my favorite Psalms is uh, Psalms 19. And, and it's just beautiful the way that Psalms ends. It, it, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my, of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my, lo- my rock and my redeemer. And really, I think when we think about that, it, it takes a lot of intentionality to know and understand the meditations of your heart. Absolutely. Because, you know, you shared, uh, I think it's Jeremiah 17, which talks about the, the heart being desperately wicked. Yeah, that know? was in Sunday. And so it's, it's, it's a hard and intentional thing to understand the meditations of your own heart because all of our hearts are, are desperately wicked. And so we can never understand the meditations of our heart by ourselves. That's one of the many reasons that, that we need the word of God to reveal the meditations of our heart. And so I think a part of the practicality, you know, is really, are you utilizing God's word, you know, on a daily basis to, to help reveal the meditations of your heart, you know, um, so that you can hopefully repent of those things, realize those things, and then grow, you know, in those areas. Amen to that. It's a good discussion, guys. Any further comments? Yeah, I would just say uh, if you didn't hear the sermon that we talked about this, um, we essentially covered Ephesians 1 and went through our identity in adoption. Uh, you know, that God has adopted us through Jesus, what Jesus did and made that possible. And seeing that we have uh, in Ephesians 1 every spiritual blessing um, and that he loves us richly um, and that in our adoption, it was costly. You know, it cost him his son. His son shed his blood so we could be a part of that family. And so just walking through that Ephesians 1 passage might help you understand some of the things we talked about deeper and that the podcast was really designed to walk through maybe some more practical, intimate, specific questions that we don't have time to go over uh, in a sermon. But if you want that background, read through Ephesians 1, maybe listen to the sermon and really start to think through what does it mean to have my identity as a child of God or identity as a Christian and be anchored in that identity Um, because that's God's gift to us that we can be rejected, we can be hurt, um, we cannot fit into the social groups and know we have worth, we have value, we're loved, we have what we need, and he is with us. And he has a place for us in heaven that one day we'll be with him. We have a family as Christians and letting that be a comfort in a time of maybe loss or rejection or confusion. And uh, I think it'll It'll bless you deeply when you see what all that God has in that identity. Yeah, understanding, you know, the way that we've been adopted um, as sons and everything that comes with that is really, I think, you know, one of God's greatest gifts to us and one of the greatest tools or resources we have, you know, in, in really rooting out this lie in our hearts and making sure that we we don't we don't believe that our worth is determined by our performance, right. you know, but that, that there's much greater truth that God has revealed about us. Yeah. Because performing is tiring. Yes. And we can yeah. rest in this. Yes. Absolutely. That's a great way to summarize that, Chris. Yeah. God allows you to rest through that adoption.
uh, because the the way I tied it together on Sunday, and I hope I hope people or two Sundays ago, I hope people catch it is that without Jesus, you're basically running around trying to say, "Look, I matter. Look, I matter. Look at my kids. Look at my job. Look at my spouse. Look at my family." And you, you you reach that level, but there's always someone smarter, always someone with more money, always someone better looking, more athletic, right? More Facebook likes, more accolades, and, and it puts you back in the worthless pile, right? Or you lose something or something embarrassing happens to your family. Um, there's somebody who's more funny. There's someone who's brighter, better, gets more invitations, and you just get sent back down saying, work harder work harder, work harder to the point of exhaustion. And you're like, I can't do this anymore. You know, and I think a lot of people can identify with that. Like, this is exhausting. And what a freedom it is just to say, he loves me. And that's why I matter. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. And yeah, it hurts my feelings to not have these other things, but I have him and no one can take that. And I can just rest. Good word, Chris. Yeah. Was good. So uh, you you reference the the sermons. The sermons January sixteenth, two thousand twenty. So if you want to go back and find that sermon? We encourage you to listen to it. And uh, so, guys, thank you for for joining me. It's a really good discussion. Yeah, yeah, it was lots of fun to be with you guys. Yeah. So so we thank you for listening. And you've been listening to the LBC podcast, the podcast of Lorgan Bible Church in Bakersfield, California. If you like listening to the podcast, please share it with a friend and hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all new podcasts. Thank you for listening and God bless you. We'll see you next time.